Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Magic, magic, or scientific methods. This podcast episode is about creativity techniques. It fits into the small series on um, the process of HMI development that I started a few weeks ago, where I talked about uh, the first phases of uh, analysis. I talked about... Uh, the development phase, and during that I said, okay, there is a phase in a, a HMI development and a technology development when you need creativity, creativity techniques. And uh, I then said that I will make a separate episode on this issue. And here it is. But these techniques that I will discuss, the creativity techniques, do not only work in technological contexts or in contexts where you have to develop an HMI, but uh, in various situations in life. I mean, whenever you have the need, um, when, when you are in the moment that you have to come up with something, that you need a new idea, that you have to be creative, that uh, whatever, um, there are various aspects in life or very moments, various moments in life when you, when you have um, a situation like this. On the other hand, pressure, time pressure, the need to succeed, all these are killers of creativity. All that kills creativity and um, very often, and you will know this from yourself, the, the best ideas come in moments when you are far away from the subject, when you are in the shower, when you take a walk when you talk to someone else. So very often I get excellent ideas uh, when, when I discuss with my wife, when, when, when I explain her what I'm thinking about and then without her saying anything, um, suddenly a great idea comes up. What uh, for me also works excellent is uh, meditation. So I take um, a question or a point where I need a, a new idea into the meditation exercise and I give it a room, a certain room, and very often I come up uh, with ideas during that. But it also can be um, that you're in the pub or in the bar in the evening, you sit uh, there, you have a good drink, maybe a good conversation or maybe not, and then good ideas pop up and... Um, also, when you fall asleep, uh, or when you wake up, or while you sleep, excellent ideas uh, often come up. 
A little anecdote about this having an idea while sleeping. You will know the band uh, The Rolling Stones and um, one of their very first hit singles called Satisfaction. That one was written, uh, the main part was written by, by their guitar player Keith Richards. And Keith Richards always slept with a tape recorder and a guitar and an amplifier by his bed. Because very often, while in the evening or early in the morning, he had an idea, and um, then he had a chance to just play on the guitar, record it, collect the ideas, and turn it into songs. And uh, I don't know whether this anecdote is true, but um, I read that he, he said in an interview, yeah, one moment uh, he woke up uh, in the morning and he found uh, the tape of the tape recorder totally at the end, And um, then uh, he, he uh, turned it back to the beginning and he listened to it and he heard this typical riff that he used then in satisfaction. Only this, this typical sound and then this typical, the, the typical notes that he played. And uh, then he heard snoring after that for an hour or two until the tape came to an end. So this just is an uh, example of uh, that ideas may come in the, in the worst moments or the best moments, but uh, not in the moment where you are under pressure, where you have to have them. Nevertheless, there are methods that can be used in uh, professional contexts and that provide a certain probability that, that innovation, solutions, or at least unusual things will emerge from them. And these methods can be perfectly combined with the spontaneous one, uh, ones I just mentioned, or in combination with uh, each other's. Uh, what I will do in this podcast is I will discuss or describe three of these methods. Um, they cannot only be used in technology development, but whenever you are um, seeking for new ideas when you are looking for innovations or maybe just the planning of a wedding party or the planning of a vacation. If you want to find a, a gift for people who already own everything, if you want to remodel your life. And I apply them in my consultancy projects on a regular basis. So I use them and uh, many, many projects um, that I'm having. And they work on different levels. They work with uh, different results. And sometimes they just don't work. But uh, in most of the cases, you gain ideas that are, that, that are worth turning into a technology, a product, or a process that uh, you may want to have at the end. Okay, so... Let's get into it. The first creativity technique that I would like to talk about is the classic technique, the classic uh, creativity technique um, that is brainstorming. And it doesn't mean uh, that you should storm your brain, but uh, the inventor, um, Alex F. Osborne, He said, we want to storm an idea with our brains. And uh, Osborne developed this method in 1939. And the idea was to find ideas in groups. 
What you do if you plan a brainstorming session, you form groups of any size. Osborne is not limiting them in a way. My personal experience is the absolute minimum is three people in a group. Um, better is to start with five. And uh, if you go beyond 10, it tends to be too much. So my experience, five to 10 people is, is a good number of people to run a brainstorming session and form a group um, with a high diversity, which means marketing people, development people, engineers, salespeople, uh, accountants, men, women, whatever, make it diverse so that uh, many different people with many different views on a problem, on a technology, on a product, that they come together and, and then exchange. The question that should be asked or the yeah, thing that the brainstorming should be about should be of, let's say, a medium granularity. If you ask questions like, how do we save the world climate? that will probably be far too big for a brainstorming session. The question like, how can we input uh, the um, into a navigation system? How can we design the input into a navigation system of a nearby restaurant is too narrow, that is too small. So it is a bit of a piece of art to find the right granularity, but it is somewhere in the middle. Do not make it too big, but do not make it too narrow, too small. How does it work? The first phase of a brainstorming session is um, that you get the group, the members of the group, into a process of free association, spontaneous finding of ideas. Usually, uh, they are written down on, on cards that you distribute an appropriate number of, of uh, cardboard cards or paper cards and pens so that the people get the chance to write their spontaneous idea about this question of medium granularity and, and put it down uh, on, on, on paper. One idea per card is working pretty well stimulate the participants to make big, crazy and really unrealistic ideas. The bigger, crazier, more unrealistic an idea is, the better it is in the context of a brainstorming session. I do the first phase usually by letting the participants work alone. So everybody is sitting at his or her place and he or she is writing down his or her ideas on these cardboards, one idea or these, these cards and one idea per card. And then in uh, a second step, um, I put them together in a group and the ideas from others, they can be adapted and uh, modified and enriched, but definitely criticism and negative comments are 
not allowed in this phase. What the idea is behind this first phase is to open the minds, to, to get free and open thinking, and not to cut down things before they are on the wall, before they are visible, before they are analyzed. So put out everything and then, um, yeah, um, get ideas that are as big, as crazy, and as unrealistic as, as possible. In a second phase, which is uh, a group phase, the ideas are sorted. And this sorting is purely content-based. It's not sorting things out. It's no selection or it's, there's still no evaluation of the ideas, but it is just grouping things. Okay, this is about the car exterior. This is about the car interior. Or this is a software-based idea. This is a hardware-based idea. Or all these ideas are more process-oriented and uh, all these are more product-oriented. Whatever um, that you build groups, my experience is you usually end up between um, three and seven groups, maybe maybe more, but um, five plus minus two is a pretty good number of groups that, that you can build. This can be done, and I always do this um, by the group of the first phase. It can be done by another group or by experts of, of any kind. But my experience is that if the group that created the idea in, 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 uh, in single sessions and then in a group session is also sorting the ideas, is, is, is the best possible solution that you have. And then there is a third phase. Um, that is the evaluation and the assessment of, of the ideas. Saying, all right, this is possible, this is not possible. And uh, also the conversion of the ideas into concrete actions, concrete steps, into concrete products and concrete uh, process updates. So... And this, this can be done by external people or that, that were not involved in the first two phases to um, get an external view and, and, and to rate everything. So this is basically a brainstorming session. This is how it runs. I like it because it's uh, simple. It's quick. So usually you do not need more than three, four or five hours depending on the question you have, depending on the granularity that you have, depending on the group size, but that's a pretty good um, number for this one. And it's very flexible. You can apply it in almost any context that, uh, that you may think of. It leads to many, many different ideas. If you think about a product, it uh, comes out like a Swiss army knife at the end. You get a feature explosion. You get very fat products and very fat processes. So this is a bit of a danger. And um, so if you think, hey, what can we do with our... Well, let's remain with my, my, my core expertise. What can we do with a car navigation system? And then you say, ah, we can do this and we can add this and this and this and then... You brainstorm about this one. At the end, you may have 25 additional features and that may make the product very fat and, 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 and um, yeah, makes it exploding in its size and in its uh, complexity. 
which may not be what we want, but it may also be the target of such a creativity session. Another disadvantage of brainstorming is it has a comparably small little structure. Um, it's, it's hardly any systematic in there. So you may end up uh, with tons of great ideas, uh, but it also may be that with a little distance you find out, pff, okay, yeah, a couple of nice thoughts, but not really what we wanted. Let's move on to the second creativity technology that um, I want to talk about. This is called Scamper. Scamper stands for something. It is uh, the letters uh, describe certain steps in that. And I will run through the single steps with this. But the name is Scamper. It was an, invented by Bob Eberle in 1997. It is similar to another creativity technique called SIT, Systematic Innovative Thinking, which was invented by Goldenberg and Masursky. They have a super strong copyright uh, on, on their ideas. So I have the feeling um, that Scamper, which, because it's pretty similar to SIT, may have been invented because uh, there is such a high protection on the method of SIT. And maybe I get punished uh, for even mentioning SIT uh, in, in my podcast. I have no idea, but uh, we talk about Scamper. So it's Scamper. Scamper is excellent if you have an existing product or an existing technology are an existing process and you want to improve this product technology or process you want to bring it to a new level you want to yeah based on what you already have um, you 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 want to create a new product new technology or new process and so you need something existing that you can analyze and this analysis uh, is done that you, that's the first step in the scamper, is that you break down the product, the technology, the process. You deconstruct it into individual parts. And if you, probably you will do this mentally. Say, maybe you have a smartphone. You say, okay, in the smartphone, I have a plastic housing. I have a glass sheet on top. I have a display in front. I have... A microphone, I have a camera, I have a GPS device, I have a PCB, and so on, and so on, and so on. So you just say, okay, what, what is my product consisting of? If you have a real product, you can do this in reality. But uh, in 90% of all the, the scamper processes that I did, uh, we did it on a mental basis. And if you have a process, it will not work in reality anyway, so you have to do this mentally. Then, once you have deconstructed uh, the, the product, your own product, into the single parts, the individual components are subjected to a systematic change. You change the single components of your product in a systematic way. And then, you look what you get and what you do with this, how to deal with that. Uh, the word scamper, as I said, is an acronym of the single steps that you do. I said, okay, you deconstruct the product and then you have a systematic change. And 
behind these uh, S-C-A-M-P-E-R uh, letters, there is certain things you can do with the components of your system. The first thing is that uh, the S, the first, uh, first, first, uh, yeah, method that you can can apply is S. That stands for substitute, replace something. So you have a component, and you replace it with another component, or with another material, or with another color that you have. Or if you have a process, you say, okay, if that person does not do this process step, who else can do this? So you substitute uh, a single component. The C in Scamper stands for combine. So mix it with other and additional functions or units. Intersect it with a service. Integrate functionality. So one example uh, that I know is a tennis racket where you stick a sticky tape on the edge, on the frame of the racket, and then you use that to pick up the, the balls, the tennis balls. So, I mean, if you get older while playing tennis, um, you will, may, may want to avoid to bend down to, to, uh, to pick up the balls. But uh, with this uh, tennis racket, then of the sticky tape on, a, on, on the edge and the frame of the tennis racket, you can, you can pick up the balls. Then A in Scamper stands for Adapt. Change form, change function, use parts of other elements, elements, uh, use an assembly, uh, aggregate things. So change the character of a component, maybe just by turning it around, by making it a different material, by adding something, by, by reducing it for something. So this is the, the A in, in adapt. Then we have the M. And M has two meanings here. One is magnify. Take a component and make it bigger or make it smaller. Make it higher. Exaggerate it. Add features. Add values. So magnifies or reduce features. Or the M modify. Very, very similar to that. Increase, decrease size. Scale it. Change shape very attributes, color, feel, acoustics, and so on. And in Germany, in about 20, 25 years ago, we had a car called the Polo Harlequin. Uh, the Volkswagen Polo, the, the, the small subcompact car, um, pretty boring car uh, at that time, and um, pretty average car. But what they did is uh, they made versions um, that... Uh, had different colors for bonnets, for doors. Um, so maybe you had a red car and then you had a green driver's door and a blue passenger door and a yellow bonnet and so on. So that uh, was a change in, in the character of the component. So what they did, I, I don't know whether they used Scamper at, at Volkswagen at that time and um, first of all, it was meant to be a joke, but uh, when they published that joke uh, as, as a commercial, everybody wanted to have such a car, such a crazy colored car with different colors of doors and bonnets and roofs and, and whatever. Um, yeah, so, so um, um, they did that and they, they, they changed the, uh, the, the character, they modified the character by changing the color.
Let's move on from M to P in scamper. That means put, that means of put to another use. Find further use cases, find further uses, find another connection to, to use. Reformulate the idea of an application of a, of a, of a component. So use it for something else and then the original idea behind a component. E means eliminate, stands for eliminate. Remove elements, remove components, reduce things to their core functionality, simplify it. To go back to, to the smartphone example, one of the major components of a smartphone is the display. Now remove the display mentally and find out what, what, what do I still have? So I still have a plastic housing, I still have a GPS sensor and Wi-Fi, and I still have a data transfer component in it. And yeah, maybe you can use this for tracking of cargo because you don't need a display, but you need everything else um, that this one communicates that you can uh, locate it. So maybe you can, can use this for, for cargo tracking. So that, that would be a typical idea that, that you create out of a scamper process if you are a smartphone producer. The R again has two meanings, um, similar meanings, rearrange and uh, reverse, which means that you change the order, you swap components, you vary the speed, uh, you vary sequences, you turn things around, you turn it inside out, um, you make it upside down, you find opposite uses. Uh, so this is what, what is behind the R uh, by means of rearrange in this. So these are things that you can use, that you can do. You do not need to necessarily run through each and every single step, but I recommend to do this. The advantages of scampers are well, there are basically three, three, three big advantages. The one is the process itself is a very systematic process. It's very analytical and it's very engineering oriented. Very often you find people in engineering that have brilliant minds that say, oh, I'm not creative at all. No, I'm not a creative. Say, oh, it's not a creativity thing we do here. We're just going to do some rearrangements and an analysis of products and an innovation based on this one. And my experience is that engineering guys, that technical guys really love this procedure, really love the, 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 the scamper technique uh, as an innovation technique. Another advantage is you use existing resources, existing technologies. You very often just combine it in a new way. So to go back to, to this Polo Harlequin car, I mean, Volkswagen knew how to paint cars in red and blue and in yellow. And just by rearranging components, by putting a yellow bonnet on a, on a red car with green and blue doors, um, that, is, that is nothing new. That is, uh, I mean, the combination is new, but uh, it's still painting the cars. There was no need to change the core uh, production technology that they have. So you use the existing resources, the existing technologies, the existing processes. You just do rearrangements. 
And particularly if you uh, apply the eliminate step seriously in, in the process, you get slim and very sometimes very smart products. And uh, this is a very, very interesting fact that you drill down products to their core, which means it's exactly the opposite of the brainstorming we had before, where you blow up products, where you have a feature explosion. With Scamper, you very often get exactly the opposite. That you say, okay, we, we just need this one single feature and we have a great new product. The big, big problem of Scamper is that it creates a product first and then you have to find a problem, a use case. I mean, that, that is the idea behind this uh, technique, that you do something and you find out, okay, now I have something new and then I start thinking, what can I do with this? What is the problem I can solve with my new product? Which, um, from my point of view, may lead to, to a technology lead, not a user-focused lead. Um, at the end, you may have something super crazy and nobody really wants it. So that is the big danger if you work with Scamper. All right, the third one. Um, the third one is not so much a formal technique, but it is a group of questions that I more or less always ask my clients when we are in a creation process, when we think about new products and new projects, new processes, new technologies. Uh, there's always a point when I start asking coaching style questions, open questions and, and discussion group questions that stimulate thinking. Questions like, uh, what do you need to reach this target? Or, yeah, I mean, those are the typical questions uh, that, that the coach is asking. And uh, I have three directions I'm asking to. One is think the opposite. So, when we are almost done, you are, you are through a creativity process, you did your brainstorming, you did your scamper, you did maybe something else, and then you said, okay, now we have something um, here on the table. Then I ask, okay, what alternatives do we have? What can we still do differently? What happens if we do this and this, if we remove this and this, or if we add that and that? Or a very interesting question is, how can we reach the opposite? You have a product for a certain purpose, and then you start thinking, how can I, how can I reach the opposite? How can I be very maybe destructive or deconstructive or whatever? How, how can we reach the opposite of what we think? What if we turn around everything? And the people that work with me know that this kind of questions always comes up during development, usually towards the end, where I question everything and, and I try to think, okay, let's think the opposite. Just, just do everything differently. A similar thing is think the optimum. So what would the process, the technology, the product look like in an ideal world? What would happen if we had all the resources, resources of the world available? All the time, all the money, all the material, all the people, all the knowledge, if everything would be there, what would, how would this product then look like? 
And again, this stimulates thinking, saying, hey, guys, what can we do? How can we improve it? Is, is there something, have you already had uh, a cut in your mind and said, okay, this is too expensive, we won't do this? Yeah, and then you drop maybe a good idea just because it's too expensive. And then if you say, okay, if you had all the money in the world, ah, then, then we could do this and this. And then you start a discussion, you stimulate a discussion Uh, where, where very often comes out, no, it's not that expensive, or we can we can use an alternative way. Um, then then it is absolutely feasible to do some things. So think the opposite, think the optimum, and related to that uh, is the ten times technique, which basically means um, imagine you have something that is ten times bigger, maybe a product or part of your product is ten times bigger. Or um, in a process, you have to do something 10 times faster. Or you have to reach a success with a technology that is 10 times bigger than today. Or smaller, or whatever. So it's, again, run into the product, run into the process, run into what you have done. Analyze it and say, okay, what happens if we make it 10 times bigger, 10 times smaller, 10 times faster, 10 times slower? What, what happens then? And then again, um, you get this uh, uh, very often very cool, very new ideas. Advantage is it's very quickly. Very often you do not need more than 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes to turn your entire thing around and uh, to question everything, but uh, to get also very good results quickly. Disadvantage is um, it can become very unsystematic quickly did you just have an open discussion about at the end nothing and it requires uh, very often great imagination you stimulate people and you ask these questions and uh, I had a, a coaching education of the ICF so I know how to ask these questions how to stimulate thinking um, if you do not know this, it may require a lot of imagination by, by, by the group, by the people that think about it. And so, um, yeah, a lot of fantasy that, that you need in this one. All right, let's get down to the summary of this podcast episode. I presented three creativity techniques uh, that... I apply in uh, many of my client projects and many of my consultancy projects. The first one was brainstorming, putting out ideas freely, sort them, uh, and the end, uh, select them. Then there is a scamper, deconstruct a product, a process, a technology you already have, and work with the single parts in a systematic way. And the third one was think the opposite, think the optimum, and make a 10 times change in any of the components. So, if you like this podcast, if uh, you were able to take something out of this episode with you, why not recommending it to, to, to one other person in your network that may also benefit from this podcast? You will let your network know about this podcast. The more people listen to it, the higher it will be ranked on the different platforms. And then even more people will be able to find it and to listen to it and to take something out of it. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and... 
do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.